This NBA season, make every three-pointer, alley-oop, and buzzer beater even more exciting with FanDuel. You can bet on everything from first baskets and number of dunks to which player will drain the most threes. Or stack your bets with the same game parlay for a shot to win even bigger. It's quick, easy, and you'll get your winnings fast. So download the app today and see why we're North America's number one sportsbook. Make every moment more with FanDuel. 19 plus and physically located in Ontario. Gambling problem? Call 1-866-531-2600 or visit connectsontario.ca. Here's the scenario. You've been injured in a serious accident. The doctor says your recovery could take months, maybe even years, yet your insurance company is denying your claim every step of the way. If something like this happens to you, call me, Brian Goldfinger of Goldfinger Personal Injury Law. We have offices in Toronto, London, Peterborough, and now Kitchener-Waterloo. Visit goldfingerlaw.com and get us working for you. Definitely the end of the season. Not There's a few more games to be played, but okay, the Raptors, they're not making the play-in. If, it was, if there was like a statistical anomaly that existed prior to this game, I'm pretty sure there is not even room for statistical anomalies now, is what I mean to say. And the Raptors lose 109-99. to 99. The biggest takeaway from the game is two things. Um, A, you hope that Pascal Siakam is okay. He appeared to hurt his shoulder. He left the game after playing at, you know, kind of a breakneck pace and fueling a lot of what the Raptors were doing offensively. And Jalen Harris, who things started to click a little bit, well, especially relative to his, you know, past games in the NBA. It was his best game of his career. And those two things stand out quite large for the Raptors in this one. So, A, we want Pascal to be okay. And B, it's really cool to watch Jalen Harris get the step on quite a few guys in this game. And then, you know, the the Raptors, in a game where they are, basically it's Pascal Siakam is the only normal starter they have for this team. Gary Trent Jr. is like, he's like that pseudo position of starter slash non-starter because, you know, next year you assume he'll probably start, but who knows what it looks like. And after everybody was healthy this year, he didn't. Bunch of stuff up in the air. And... So yeah, Pascal was basically the only regular starter who played in this game. And what that meant was that the Raptors kind of like bubblegum and duct tape. Actually, before I get into that, I would be remiss not to mention um, a run-in with Jonas Valanciunas on Rodney Hood's behalf. Definitely more Jonas's fault, but Rodney Hood fractured a metacarpal, a finger. Well, you know, it's the finger out, you have your palm and your metacarpal is in there. But outside of your palm where you see your fingers, that's also your metacarpal. So I don't know where he broke his or fractured his metacarpal, whether it was inside the palm or outside the palm, if that makes sense. I'm not a doctor. You know that. You don't come to me for doctor stuff. You come to hear about basketball. But okay, so Pascal shoulder strain, Rodney Hood broke, fractured part of his, his hand, a finger, something like that. And so that's that's all we know currently. But yeah, just hoping those guys can get into not better shape, but just get healthy and that kind of stuff. And just hoping that given the circumstances, the best case scenario is always coming out. That's what we're hoping for. 
But as far as gameplay, yeah, the Raptors, it, it was a tough one. There, this game, I think, is reminds me of Swarm on both sides of the floor because the Raptors blitzed so many actions, whether it was Jonas Valanciunas catching a pass like eight feet you know, outside the paint, and by the time he had put the ball down to gather, there was like three guys you know, battling with him, trying to rip the ball out of his hands, one guy standing straight up so they could contest someone at the rim. It's typically one of, you know, Birch or Freddie Gillespie, obviously. And then a bunch of like small guards like Jalen Harris, who's listed at 6'5", but appears to be 6'2". The, the Raptors, they have a fetish for small guards, it seems. Well, I shouldn't say fetish. I should say proclivity for small guards. And yeah, so, and Malachi Flynn is also a short guy, but he's he's very potent as a dig down guy. But anyway, blitzing John Morant, getting the ball out of his hands, and then immediately having to swarm whoever he passes to if he, they're getting it down downhill. And then the thing is too, right, is the, the Grizzlies run that pick and roll and Jonas Valanciunas is going to dive regardless. John Morant, if they tag Jonas, he makes the skip pass and then everybody has to recover back out to where the skip went to. The tag comes off of Jonas and then the guy who received the skip pass just passes it into Jonas. And so... Jonas Valanciunas, he 18 points, 21 rebounds, four blocks, man, five offensive. He was a big body Johnson tonight. He was tough for the Raptors to stop. And anybody coming into this game might have guessed that would be the case. Jaron Jackson Jr., let it fly from downtown, finishing inside the arc with those big steps and some nice dexterity at the rim as well. And so the front court situation was very tough for the Raptors to deal with, not only offensively, but defensively as well, because there was a lot of times, and the Raptors are not typically, you know, I've talked about this before, outside of Pascal Siakam, who that played tonight is going to provide a lot of rim pressure. I know Jalen Harris did his damn thing and had his best case of it in, you know, in his young NBA career, but even still, he was 5 of 12 in the game, and, you know, he had a really, really nice pick and roll sequence where he also kept Jaron Jackson Jr. at bay and then came up on the other side for a nice reverse layup. Looks like something he'll have in his bag for a long time. Really good to keep the help side at bay and kind of learn the pacing and that stuff. That's awesome for Jalen. But it's not like he was doing that continuously. And the Raptors kept getting like between 18 to 7 feet that's how far they were from the rim. And depending on how the Grizzlies were defending it, you know, they, they're a team that plays drop defense all the time. And they were just running into blocks. Like when you start playing basketball with people who are much better than you, like you, there's guys who are like, hey, you want to run with us? And you're like, oh, yeah, I guess. Like that's, that's the game that's available. And you realize like, oh, my God, it's so much harder to find space for myself because these guys are so good. And then finally you attack a closeout or something or the ball comes to you and you find a pocket of space, except those guys close the gaps much faster than you might have expected. That seemed like what the Raptors were running into in in the paint. And Jonas having four blocks in this one is indicative of that, not, not just because of the numbers, but there were a ton of times where guys were just starting to get downhill, were kind of comfortably getting into there. Oh yeah, I'm going to put up a little baby floater those types of steps and Jonas, you know, big arm, big paw sticks it out and it's immediately stuffed. And same with John Morant and uh, Dylan Brooks, just guys who swarm you and Kyle Anderson. He's a fantastic defender. He adds his length to basically any action. He, he complicates a bunch of stuff too. And so the Raptors, they just, they were like, okay, 
how are we going to scheme our way out of this? How do we score on this team that is a very good defensive team and one that we are trying to beat? So how do we do it? So a bunch of dribble handoffs, a bunch of rub screens, just trying to create friction anywhere they can before shooting into space. And, you know, they, they kind of jerry-rigged their way into some offense, but for the most part, it was tough sledding. And especially once Pascal Siakam went down, I think that's kind of, you know, when the, what, what's the term? Death bell, death toll, whatever. It rang the, uh, or, you know, large ladies singing, something like that. But it's the Raptors were in a spot where they tried to grime and grease it up offensively. And they did so to, you know, to some effect, you know, Gary Trent Jr. is not a guy who is going to shoot as many free throws as three point attempts often. And that was, you know, that's a result of how they played this game. And my God, yeah, the Raptors, they did their best, but to put it lightly, plainly, I suppose it's, uh, it's not going to cut it. Not, not by a long shot. And so the Grizzlies, they found a lot of stuff that they were trying to do. And as I spoke about earlier, just the, you know, responding and making sure that they go into their counters in the pick and roll. Not only that, but really flexing their muscles from the front court. They got 38 points from their starting front court, 25 rebounds. You know, whisper, whisper, Jaron Jackson Jr. does not rebound the ball well. But I tell you what, even if his, you know, he gets himself into a lot of trouble defensively with gambles and just putting himself way out of position, it's not a surprise that he finished with five fouls tonight, even though he only played 25 minutes. But he causes chaos too. And so were the Raptors, did they, yes, get some free throws because of Jaron Jackson Jr.'s defense? Totally. But he also kind of mucked up a lot of the actions and allowed the Grizzlies to get going the other way in transition three steals. He's very active. He's trying to pin some of this stuff in. And De'Anthony Melton as well, who's just been fantastic this year. He's an absolute hound on ball and complicated so much of what the Raptors were trying to do at the point of attack. Not only that, but the guy hit five threes. And that typically hasn't been his calling card. This is something I talked about a little bit on the league-wide stuff that I do um, for work. But you know, his progression as a shooter is a huge deal for the Grizzlies because, you know, while he isn't a super good passer, he's developing in that area and he's already a major plus defensively. So if he starts plugging in these other skills, these tertiary things, he starts to become, you know, one of the top flight bench guards in the whole league. If he's not already there, he could start as far as impact goes, maybe vying for like a top three spot in that vaunted top three bench guard thing that I'm just talking about now that nobody else cares about. But DeAnthony Melton, he, he did his thing. And Desmond Bain, who I admittedly, I wanted the Raptors to draft him instead of Malachi Flynn. He was good in this game as well, as you know, he typically is. He's been a fantastic rookie, but Malachi, he's come around in a big way. He was really good to start the third quarter. But as we know, the Raptors, they kind of lost steam in this game after Keeping pace, I would say, in the first two quarters, the third quarter, as it has been the case in a lot of ways this year, that's the quarter where things fall apart for the Raptors. The game plan falters a little bit. The offensive sets a little less crisp. Teams kind of catch on to what the Raptors are trying to do. And Malachi Flynn had a really strong start to that third quarter, which was great. And while it was great for a short amount of time, it was not something that was sustained. So the Raptors, especially with Siakam going down, didn't really have any viable option to create repeatable offense. And Siakam was already doing tons of work to even get them to 
league average offense. I mean, this dude was putting like 26 dribbles on the floor every half-court possession, and not because he's selfish, not because he's hunting for his own looks or trying anything. It's just the the Grizzlies were in their set defense. Siakam is trying to create a singular breakdown, something to get them in rotation so that either one of the bigs steps up and he can find a guy in the dunker spot or somebody pinches in and he can go to the corner. And just the burden of creation was very, very large on Siakam in this one. And so there's a really... The way that the assists are doled out in this game is there's a very even distribution, and that speaks to a lot of the, you know, handoff, pitch plays, like little quick passes that the Raptors were running to try and create offense was because they're just trying to play in close quarters in these broken plays and quickly find the open man, banking on one of the Grizzlies, you know, lesser defenders gambling on something and leaving an opening, which, as I talked about, the Raptors did find. They did get free throws and that kind of stuff. But largely, even though, you know, towards the end of the fourth quarter, the Raptors, you know, hit a couple shots, made a little bit of a run. But this game, for the most part, it's starting the second half. The Grizzlies had it in the bag, as they should. You know, the Grizzlies, they're going to be a playing team in the West. They're not a bunch of schmucks. They're going to try and make their way into the playoffs. They're going to try and get there to face, like, maybe the Jazz or the Suns or the Clippers, it looks like it'll be one of those teams in the first seed. So they're a good team. And I'm, I'm super excited to see if they can piece everything together with Jaron Jackson Jr. before they uh, they get into those games. And I would just love a full a full series of Jaw, Jonas Valanciunas, Jaron Jackson Jr., Kyle Anderson, Dylan Brooks, Melton, you know, Canadian, Brandon Clark, Desmond Bain. It's a super fun group of guys and you know they won tonight which is really big for their season and the implications of the play-in so that's good I'm a big fan of that and uh, yeah Toronto they they were already out of it basically so this one they did their damnedest a shoulder strain to Siakam spelled doom that's what I was looking for earlier in the podcast spelled doom that's the saying the colloquialism I wanted so anyway that's spelled doom and the Raptors, you know, no matter how hard they grinded in this game, it just it didn't come out for them. And that's okay. And that's them's the breaks. Yudo was also, Yudo Watanabe, he deserves quite a bit of credit as well for a little bit of on-ball creation. Big deal for him. Hitting off the dribble threes, that's super nice. When the offense was bogged down, him running to the ball, calling for it, like, I'm going to take the ball. I'll find space. I'll put up a jumper. Did it go in? No. But he went after it. And that speaks to something that a lot of NBA players have to kind of commandeer within themselves is like, sometimes I can vault to the top of the, the shot-making hierarchy. I can be the guy every once in a while. And, it, you know, that interplay of when to do that and when not to do that is one of the most important aspects because Yudo Watanabe is a good shooter. He's a good NBA player. How he throws himself at defenses is like outside of the skill you have and the stuff you put in in the gym and in practice. Like there's a lot of decision-making that goes into success and knowing when to flex your muscles is a big deal. And Yudo Watanabe, I think, has done a fantastic job of identifying spots for himself, especially since he had a little bit of a lull this season after the Anthony Edwards dunk. And then he came back for like a game or two and then he had another string of like did, did not play coaches decisions but he's had you know a string of games i would say like close to 10 recently where 
I've really liked what I've seen from him. And I've advocated that, you know, sign this guy into next year, give him that contract, see what happens, let him work in the summer. And, you know, he's, he's an NBA player. He can do it at this level. So yeah, very proud of him. Reggie Evans award. I still got to give it to Pascal. I mean, the work this guy put in was so crazy to me. It just, the burden, it was so much. You could just see him hustling out on the floor, like every GD possession. It was insane, man. And uh, yeah, really unfortunate that he he was injured in this game. I hope, 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 hope that he's all right. So yeah, something to consider. But top quick reaction comment from Red Van Vliet, quote, the Pacers and New Orleans are coming for us, but if we keep it up, we can finish this season up well, end quote. Uh, a tanking joke. Yeah, I think the the Pacers are, I believe, four or five games back or ahead. <laughs> yeah, geez. Freudian. Ahead of the Raptors in the standings. I don't know where New Orleans is relative to the Raptors right now. I'm assuming ahead because of the way you phrased it. Let me go check out the standings really quick. You're this far into the podcast. Maybe you just like hearing me talk, you know? Maybe you don't mind me scrolling the standings while I check it out. 30 and 37 for the Pelicans, 27 and 41 for the Raptors. So that means that the Raptors are like three games up (laughs) behind on the Pelicans. Anyway, yeah, I mean, the Raptors, it's all about the pick now, probably. I don't know what meaningful stuff will happen in the rest of these games. Hopefully good stuff from guys like Hito Watanabe, Jalen Harris, Malachi Flynn, and the center duo of Freddie Gillespie and Ken Birch. But thanks for tuning in. The Raptors didn't have enough, didn't have enough tonight to take out the Grizzlies. And I know a lot of Canadians, a lot of Raptors fans feel, you know, a certain warmth towards the Grizzlies. So maybe it doesn't hit that hard to lose to that team because, you know, it's good for them as well. And you also know the Raptors aren't really fighting for anything at this point. So thanks for tuning in. Whether you got into it in the morning or at night, have a blessed day and goodbye.